Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Greetings. Welcome to another Better Together podcast. I'm Callie Picardo. And I am your other co-host, Rosario Picardo. And today we have with us a very special guest. We have Dave Ferguson with us today. And Dave is an award-winning author. He is a church planner. He's a founder and lead pastor of Chicago's Community Christian Church, which is a missional multi-site community um, and a very influential church in America. He is also the visionary of an international church planting movement called New Thing and the president of the Exponential Conference and really has a heart just for seeing others come to know the changing love of Jesus Christ. And so with that, he has written a new book that we're excited to talk with him more about today called Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. So we'll dive into that shortly. But Dave, thank you. Welcome to the Better Together podcast. We're so glad to have you with us. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here and excited about what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk to you about church planting and movements, but we're, we'll right. save that for another day. All right, um, let's, let's get it on the calendar. Yeah, we'll get it on the calendar, but um, Dave, as she was reading your, your bio and sharing about that, did you ever imagine all that God has done as you look back over the years um, and seeing, you know, how God has moved? Um, I mean, to be honest, to be honest with you, the, the correct answer is no. <laughs> um, but there, there's some, there's some things where you're going, I mean, honestly, like I have a pretty big imagination. And so there's some parts where like, I am so, so grateful for what God's done through community, the, the church I get to lead. But there are times where I'm going like, man, we've been doing this a long time. We should have done better than this. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times like through new thing, um, because now we're in 47 countries and we helped plant almost well over 9,000 churches last year. That that part feels unimaginable. You mm. know, the, the kind of stuff that that part is going like, okay, that's just such a total grace, total God's favor. I'm feel like I'm just on the ride with the Holy Spirit, but okay, thank you for letting me, you know, ride side on sidecar with you. So um, now that part is like a big surprise. So it's like there's a little bit of both. You know, like some parts of these, there's still a dissatisfaction. Like, come on, let's get moving. And there's other parts is going like, oh man, this is unbelievable. It's that holy discontentment, right? Uh, that hunger for more. Uh, yeah, some of that. Yeah, keeps you working on stuff, and it, I'm sure a little bit of that holy discontentment's gotten you where you've written this new book. Tell us about Bless. Where where did this come from? Why did you write another book? Yeah. Well, I'm, this one probably, I mean, really, uh, my brother John and I wrote it together, but it really, I think it came out of kind of my, some of my own personal frustration. Then also, I think also seeing a desire, but no real accessible tools with some of the folks in our church. <clears throat> so like for me, I mean, when I first became a Christ follower, I mean, I was so fired up about the love of God and just the idea of grace, you know, and following Jesus that 
that that was something that he wanted for everybody. Um, that I'm, I was overzealous. I was the guy who, I mean, as a college student, I was um, in downtown Columbia, Missouri, on the street corners, basically verbally assaulting people. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was the person who, I mean, would come up to him with the two diagnostic questions. You know, if you were to die tonight, and, you mm-hmm. know, before God, we let you into your heaven, and you know, I. I was asking questions they didn't want to answer. And quite frankly, I also discovered that wasn't a very effective way to share the good news. And it was about the time we planned the church. I kind of said, okay, you know what? This is brutal. Okay. I kind of swung the other way. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm determined just to kind of live my life as a Christ follower. And people will be able to see by my example. And what I found on the other end was that, yeah, I mean, I think people liked being my neighbor and they thought I was a good guy, I thought I was a good neighbor, but we didn't have anybody in my neighborhood who came came to know Jesus or came became a follower of Jesus. And so it was kind of out of a frustration of swinging this way and then this way and feeling like neither one of them were working. And also seeing that, I think, in, in the lives of the people in our church too. I remember I, I got a um, a doctoral, I ran across a doctoral dissertation um, an interesting one, which sounds like a paradox. Um, and embedded in this doctoral dissertation was um, this this case study, and it was actually labeled uh, "Blessers versus Converters." Mm-hmm. Blessers versus Converters, and they took these two teams of missionaries. They sent them both to Thailand, and um, the the converters, their goal was to like win souls, to convert people. Wherever they went, the blessers, on the other hand, their sole objective was just, you know, really to, to bless people and 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 to do good wherever they possibly could. And they followed these two teams of missionaries for two years. At the end of those two years, the converters, they actually saw no real difference in the community, no social capital, no change. Um, but the blessers, there actually was some measurable difference that they were actually making in, in the community. Some real, some real obvious good that they were creating by actually being there in, in that neighborhood. The, but the second thing that was also fascinating: after two years, um, the converters saw two people actually convert and become Christ followers, and the blessers saw almost a hundred. So it was like okay. fifty to one. And I think there was there was something about that. And I was already mulling over some things, and John and I were talking over some things too. I think they took us back to Genesis chapter 12, which like, okay, maybe that was, and you know, if you're, if you're listeners, I mean, that's where, you know, God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And then you're going to, you know, bless the world. And maybe God's strategy from the very beginning was to kind of, you know, to bless us and then for us to be a blessing. And that's how the world was going to know, know him. And that kind of set us, that set us both on that kind of, the, that, that was kind of at least the early steps in that journey um, of going, okay, there's got to be a better way. I love that. I'm interesting because it's making me think of a conversation I had today about uh, some friends that we know who are doing awesome ministry down in Cuba. And the government lets them operate freely in the middle of the street without a permit because they have started so changing that neighborhood. Crime has dropped. So it's easier on the police because of the work they're doing. They're, They're feeding people and like the community around them is changing because of their presence in the neighborhood. And it convicts me because I think, gosh, how many people in my neighborhood 
know that we're Christians and is it making an impact? And so I love your, I saw in your description, you know, the question, what if you could change the world without changing your daily routine? Um, which is appealing to me because I'm like, life is so busy. I can't add one more thing, but is, there's a way to change the world. Just the way we're going about our daily life. Gosh, Dave, how, how does that work? How do we do that? Well, I mean, probably the next step that John and I did, we began to kind of with a different kind of lens, start reading the gospels. Mm-hmm. And as you look at the life of Jesus, it, it you, you do. I mean, like he begins the Sermon on the Mount with kind of, yeah, here's how you're a blessing. And when he's with little kids, he's blessing them. And, and there was this routine of really what I would say is just, you know, his nickname, Jesus' nickname was Friend of Sinners. Mm-hmm. So yep. he, was, he was friends with, like genuinely friends. I mean, this in some ways, this is so remarkably simple, friends with people. And we started looking at some of the things that you see in the gospel that were kind of, that felt like he did over and over again. And so that we could make it accessible both to ourselves and also the people in our church. We took some of these practices that we saw Jesus do over and over again, and we we put them in a simple acronym that spelled the word bless. Mm. And I think the thing that we discovered too along the way was exactly, you know, exactly what you're saying, Callie, where um, these are not things you necessarily have to add to your life. This is how you live your life. And that to me also became a huge, and I, we were talking before we jumped on here. I mean, you guys, was it two little kids? Three. Three. Three yeah. little kids. Yeah. So you're in a very busy season. I always tell parents, I mean, like in your season, you're like physically exhausted. <laughs> they become teenagers. You're going to become emotionally exhausted. Yeah. And then when you go to college, you're financially exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're always exhausted. And so yeah. it is kind of good news. Hold on. So there's a way I can follow Jesus where I don't have to add another night to go out or another program, that kind of thing. And if you want, I can just give you real quick the five plus practices. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically the B is, this one's a little bit of a stretch, but begin with prayer. Mm-hmm. So B is begin with prayer. And we see this in the life of Jesus when he started his earthly ministry. First thing he does, he goes off and he prays. Mm-hmm. And so we, we always tell people prayer is both how you discover your mission and also how you do the mission. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you get up in the morning, you know, so just start praying for your neighborhood and like, um, now we're on a podcast. Are we also showing people the video too? No, no. just the audio. Well, for those people who are, so I can, I can, I can see them, but I am showing them. I have a journal and in my journal, um, I have at the bottom of my journal, like here, I always write the word bless. And then I just kind of made a routine where there's eight people, uh, that I pray for every day. They're in my neighborhood. And so mm-hmm. that we begin with prayer. Uh, L stands for listen. Mm-hmm. One of the things we discussed, See, with Jesus, too, is he asked a ton more questions than he gave answers. And I think we do the opposite, mm-hmm. as part, particularly in the West. Yeah. Um, we kind of feel like it's our job to, you know, to set the world straight right out of the bat, right off the bat, rather. And um, he, even when Jesus was going to heal somebody, he, he would ask them first, you know, would you like to be healed? And he waited for them, gave them the dignity of that. And I think listening, listening is probably one of the best ways, especially today, you can care for people. I mean, think about just how long people are waiting just to get into, you know, to see a therapist these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they just had a friend who would listen, it would be a big, big help. So, and we can do that. So you begin with prayer, you listen. The third practice is you eat. Mm-hmm. This is what we all love. We already, most of us do this three times a day, seven days a week. 
And again, this is like, again, this is something that you can not add to your schedule, but again, you go like, okay, how many of these meals could I actually have somebody over? Or maybe we can go out together or better yet, you get them to invite you over, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it can also be coffee or dessert or whatever, but, and I think what, and and again, I mean, like Zacchaeus, Jesus Zacchaeus, I mean, it was a lunch that was life-changing. Jesus Mm -hmm. leaves that, Zacchaeus says, here's how I'm going to live differently. And Jesus says, yep, salvation came to this house today. Um, and I think what you'll notice, too, in these practices, begin with prayer. That's the B. L is listen, then E, eat. Uh, what, you're gonna, what you discover is it really is like almost like a remedial course in how to be friends with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm curious. I'm going to ask you guys a little question. Here. So when do you remember your first date? Yes. Well, it depends who you ask. Raza's first oh, date was a date. My, but that same meeting was a was a business meeting in my mind. So we had a little confusion on whether it was a date or a business meeting for our first date. Yeah, I, I was not very clever at all. <laughs> well, well, Dr. Raz, from now on, that is your first date. Hey. What about what was the second date then? Do you remember? Was there a place after that? I don't know if I remember which one. I remember the first one that was like really a date where we went went out to eat. Where did you go? Did we go to BD's Mongolian Grill? Maybe. I think I, that's where we went. Yeah. For most people, it is. For most people, like I remember for me, like for Sue and I, we went to Aurelio's Pizza on the south suburb of Chicago. Uh-huh. And, it was, and it wasn't like the first time like you guys, but the first time it was like real. And eating does something where it moves any relationships from like an acquaintance more towards a friendship. And that's yeah. what eating does for us. I think and that's what it did for Jesus. And then the next S is what we call serve. And again, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And what mm-hmm. happens when you're praying for somebody and you're intentional about listening to them, and especially if you're eating with them, you're becoming friends. You're going to get to know what's going on in their life. They're, they're going to tell you, hey, here's where my marriage is a mess. Here's where I'm having a hard time raising my kids. I hate my job. Um, I'm having trouble with my parents, what, whatever the issues are uh, in their life, you're going to learn and you're going to find out how you can best love them. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do. And then the last S is for story. And I think this is one we have to have to have to. And I want to hammer that, be intentional about too, because we can leave that off. And if we leave that off, then we're back to just being a good neighbor. Everybody thinks, hey, you're a nice guy. But you will get, you'll get the opportunity because you'll really have what I call paid the relational rent. Mm-hmm. And you pay the relational rent and you could they're going to want to hear your story like, okay, so tell me, what what is the deal? Why are you going to go to church? Or what is it with you? You're always, you, you, you've told me two or three times you'll pray for me. Uh, what's what's going on with you spiritually? And you'll get the chance to share your story. And what we've found, and I've found, is that is, I, I feel like, probably one of a couple different ways, particularly in a post-Christian era, that if we're intentional about those five practices, it is a way we can really love our neighbors. And if enough of us do it, like in the subtitle, we, we can change the world. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, it's simple, it's easy um, and accessible. I thought about eating. And uh, for us, because of the season we're in, it's easier for us to have people over versus going somewhere or going out. And we just, our kids are on, at this age, they have no choice, but our kids become on mission with us. Yeah. So I think... Um, Families, I mean, individuals and yes, families can definitely do this. Um, Even this past Saturday, we had a play date and we had, uh, you know, three different adults from our church come. 
um, you know, going through a variety of things and all their kids. And before you know it, that became an opportunity to experience this bless by eating together and, and, and all the ones that you shared. And, and, and there's few things more compelling than a not perfect. I don't want to insinuate that at all. A perfect family, but a healthy family that's really, you know, trying to do it God's way. I mean, that's a compelling thing to people because it. I'm convinced. I mean, we were talking about parenting. My kids are now, you know, adults. So I'm probably, you know, eight or eight or nine years from parenting now. I think it's harder to parent now than ever. And you're right. And doing those kind of things, eating together, it's just such a great opportunity to share God's love. And it also shows that we're human, that we're not perfect. I think there's so much pressure to be, to pretend like you have it all together. And when they see a more vulnerable side, they they see, they see the chaos, they see the realness of life. There's just, when you get into that level, there's almost a freedom for others to be more vulnerable. So I know one of the things that I've challenged, had to challenge myself with, oh my goodness, I have to have the house perfectly picked up. I have to have it looking all together. And I've realized as long as it's not gross, most people are fine with a little mess. They kind of, they, it makes them feel more comfortable. Absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, I think, I think it makes, it, it makes you more accessible, more attractive to them. Dave, this seems so simple. Are there challenges with implementing it though? I mean, it, it, like, yeah, we can pray, listen, eat, serve story, but it, it's so simple. Why aren't more people doing it? I mean, what's the, what, are there drawbacks? Are there hard things with it as you get going? I, I, I think, I think the greatest challenge to, to this is intentionality. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause, um, if, if, if you're not, if you're not intentionally like praying for your neighbors, and when I say neighbor, I'm talking about, you know, people where you live, where you work, where you play, it could be any of those. But if you're not, it all kind of breaks down from there. And I think, I mean, I think that's a key point. I mean, I, and, and again, I mean, Sue and I, my wife and I, we're having the conversation again, like, Hey, we got to get back into the routine. Cause in Chicago, you kind of, you kind of go into your igloos for like three or four months. And then it's <laughs> again. And, um, you know, so people are out and we're going like, Hey, we got to start having people back, you know, on our, on our patio. So we do a lot of summer life in the patio. So, I mean, you have to be intentional about that, like what you're talking about. And I would say especially sharing the story piece. Mm-hmm. I've become a lot more convicted about that where – actually, a, a quick story, too. I mean, you guys know Christine Kane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was speaking at Exponential, and we just did a at Exponential in, in March, and our theme was Lost Cause, mm-hmm. uh, Revival Evangelism. And, um, and I, I was – I had asked her to speak on a relational approach to evangelism, how that works, you know, using hospitality, that kind of stuff. And in a really healthy way, she was like, I think that's all really good. But then she kind of was pushing on me. She said, but we've still got to be intentional about taking the opportunity to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I think it was an appropriate really pushback and it, yeah. And it kind of like, Oh, that's yeah, you're right. Um, cause I, so again, I think that the greatest obstacle in this is just intentionality. Again, I don't think you have to add anything really to your life, but you do have to be intentional about your life. And I think that's, you know, maybe the challenges of some churches, even though we're living in a post-Christendom, post-denominational world, there are some mainliners like my, I, I'm not really, I'm a mainliner, but I don't really consider myself one because most of the time it's either hey, we're quick to share the story or we're just the service component, social justice. 
And there's not a bridge between those where I care about my community, the needs, justice issues, but also I'm going to share the reason why I do what I do. And, uh, and so, yeah, do you see that dichotomy as well in your, in your work with churches and with pastors? Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm understand what you're asking, yeah, I think that that dichotomy, that false dichotomy exists lots of places. Mm -hmm. You know, when Jesus said John 10, 10, you know, life and life more abundant. I mean, I think he meant that for individuals, but he also meant it for the, for a community. And I mean, you know, we can go all the way back to Genesis in the beginning. I mean, that's, that was God's dream, you know, that we would live in this kind of perfect community with one another and with him. And when his dream was real, his dream or his kingdom is established, it's both those parts. It's it's not an either or. And uh, yeah, that's I, I, sad when you see that happen, though. It shouldn't be a dichotomy like that. Mm-hmm. Both work very much together in the faith. If if you look at the life of Jesus. Now, you, they, you, might, you, talk, oh, you, might, you might even be able to say they're better together. Hey, I love that. Yeah, that's that right. fits with what we do around here on the Better Together podcast. Yes. When you share your faith in, with love and action, it is better together. And nicely done. I like it. I thank you for that. That <laughs> lovely tie. <laughs> I was thinking on the story piece, and I was thinking, gosh, there are probably some people that are like, gosh, how how, how do, do I, I share the gospel in a way that doesn't come off of okay, now I need to tell you about Jesus. Like this is a required part. Um, and you kind of alluded a little bit to it earlier, but I know testimony can be a powerful way to share the story where you're sharing, hey, this is my personal experience with Jesus. I mean, for someone who's not, who's just trying to figure out, gosh, where do I start with sharing the story? I mean, any practical wisdom with just even how to share your story? Well, one thing I would say as a preface to that is, um, you know, I mean, living in the time we live in, there's nothing more powerful than your story because mm-hmm. um, your story, people, I mean, they can reject it, but almost everybody will say, well, that's that's true for you. And if you mm-hmm. built a friendship on top of that, it'll also become truth between you, mm-hmm. which is a very, very, very powerful thing. Um, I would, I encourage people this way to think about, you know, here's, here's, here's what my life was like before Jesus. Here's really the moment and how I kind of came to know who Jesus was. And here's the difference, not the perfect, like you said, too. I think vulnerability is really important, not the perfect, but here's the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And I think if you can just kind of remember that before and then during and then after, just kind of in three parts like that. I think that helps make sense. That helps, I think, put it in kind of almost like a, sh- a short kind of three chapters or three posts, you know, kind of there mm-hmm. across. And then just kind of frame it up that way is, is a really simple way for you to, to share your story with somebody. So you're saying we don't have to be like an apologetics answer, uh, like expert and know all the answers about every word in the Bible in order to share our story day? Nope. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, if you do on top of it, that's nice. But no, you don't. I mean, you you modeled this well, like you said. You're praying for neighbors. You've written down names. How have you seen um, this impact? Maybe the folks you're leading at your church. How what what success quote unquote success stories of people that have really implemented bless? Yeah, I mean, um, even as recent as just um, 
as recent as last week because because my wife sue does this and, and does it probably better than me um we have brand new neighbors uh i guess i'll go ahead and say their names uh pedro and ashley who uh, moved in they're facing our house they live on on uh, what would be my right and they got uh, three terrific little kids um and one of the things we did at Easter, the week before Easter, at one of our, our largest locations, we do something called Easter at the Cafe. We have a, a cafe there, and we had like a petting zoo and all kinds of games and an Easter egg hunt. And it was, we ended up having like 500 people show up for this thing. It was really kind of cool. But, you know, uh, but I, I mean, we genuinely, genuinely, no matter whether they ever come to church or not or whatever's going on, their face, we genuinely, genuinely like, you know, Pedro and Ashley. They just seemed like terrific people. And, um, but Sue kind of, oh, hey, you don't got a petting zoo, but I wonder if they know about it. They'd like to come over. So, you know, so again, after, you know, we've been praying for them and we've connected a few times, you know, now that's getting a little warmer in the backyard, talking, listening. We have plans to have them over. Um, and Sue just invited them to Easter at the cafe. And so they brought it, came over and did all that and, uh, had a good time. And then actually then the next Sunday for Easter, I had a chance to invite them to church for Easter and, and uh, Pedro came with the kids. And so, I mean, that's one, I mean, just, you know, and again, I think if you just kind of put it like, Hey, the, like the blessed book, it's just, it's kind of a manual for like how to be friends with people on purpose. That's awesome, Dave. I love the beauty yet simplicity of it. And um, for the folks that are saying, gosh, I just want to dive in a little more to this. Uh, where can they get a copy of Bless? Um, they can get it probably just about anywhere. I mean, you can j- jump on Amazon if you want to go to my my website, DaveFerguson.org, or you can go to the Bless Book. I think it's Bless Book, Bless-Book.org. That's the landing page. But um, probably just, yeah, just Google or Amazon. You can get right there and get it. That's awesome. Well, Dave, thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you for helping us live out our faith better together and to really not be afraid to tell the story, but also to be praying and listening, not to go in full force and then be planning on eat, having a lot of good meals with people and serving them. I, I always love a good excuse to eat. So uh, thank you for sharing with us today and for joining us on the Better Together podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. And to our listeners, uh, be sure to share this with a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, uh, those that maybe you worship with in church. And until next time, remember, we are better together. God bless.